You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode number 33 of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. With me, as always, on Thursday, RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. What's up, RJ? What's going on, Stats? Great to be on what many people are calling the Super League of NFL Podcasts, um, the European Super League, despite the fact that it is a, an American broadcast. Uh, glad to see that you're doing well. Glad to be with you. Glad to be in the presence of such a great person, a great humanitarian, um, a great scholar, um, and frankly, uh, one of the most handsome people I've ever known. That is not an understatement, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there. Now everyone can tell. We welcome everybody watching on Periscope and on the Niners Nation Facebook page. Thank you for joining us. We are trying to get our, you know, feet wet in the live stream business. So if there are a couple of hiccups, you got to forgive us. But uh, we want to try and broadcast live. We are going to be live during the NFL draft for the whole first round. We are basically everybody into the pool we are calling in everybody to be able to react to all the picks it is going to be a hell of a time rj yeah it's gonna be like a block party i think i've never like been a part of this uh but it's like what i see in movies and read in books and stuff um like one person's having the party and like the whole neighborhood's down you know like somebody comes over we're going to stats's house basically is what i'm saying and so you know stats you got to get all the food prepped you got to get all the little the annoying um, like table coverings, the little plastic ones that end up flying everywhere in the wind. So we got to put like weights down on the corners and duct tape them underneath. Um, but it's going to be a good time. Very excited. One week from today. The NFL draft is one week from today. I'm very pumped to see who your San Francisco 49ers take with a third overall pick because I have a feeling it's going to upset you. I don't think it will. I know that Mac Jones is now the betting favorite according to points bet. He's, I think, minus 150 which means you have to bet $150 to win $100. I don't care. That just means better odds for me. I'm totally fine with it. I still think it's going to be Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I'm hoping for Fields, but we'll find out. Uh, we want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We really do appreciate all your reviews, all the funny things you say in the comments. So uh, keep those coming, please. We like reading them on the show, especially when they're complimentary to me. Uh, we've already gotten questions about the 49ers pick in the first round. Like that is like the pivot point for the entire NFL draft. Okay, like I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's a we're streaming this at 8:30 Central Time. Um, shout out to Stephen Fox who is joining us. At what might be 6:30 Pacific. Uh, so Stephen Fox, yeah. you know, in the early running for today's MVP. Um, but. There is so much hubris among NFL fan bases to establish where the pivot point is in the NFL draft. We're the pivot point. No, we're the pivot point. No, like 
all, all I, I guess now all 49ers fans think that they are the pivot point. And I suppose there is uh, the most level of unknown, you know, with them. But there is a, a wide level of a known you know, quantity in terms of the fact they're taking a quarterback. Yeah. And a- Atlanta argues we're the pivot point. But then Cincinnati argues we're no. the pivot point. It like, has to uh, be San Francisco. Come on. Like mm-hmm. the whole draft changes. If they take Mac Jones and Trey Lance and Justin Fields are available at four, the Falcons are going to be loving it because their phone is going to be blowing up with teams calling to try and get up there to take one of those guys. It, the whole draft changes based on what the 49ers do. I, I don't disagree, but I don't think it's like a 90-degree pivot is, I guess, what I'm saying, Like or 180 degrees. Like I think the, the 49ers have already pivoted 90 of the 180 degrees. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like If this is the episode of Friends and the 49ers are Ross and Rachel, they've already made it up the, the first flight of stairs that turns, and now they're, ma- they're, they're on their way up the second. And so you could actually kind of argue that that works really well, uh, this particular analogy, because – if it is Mac Jones, it's the true couch that won't fit up the stairs, and they're just going to have to leave it at the bottom and hope for the best. Pivot. That's that's true. That's what Ross said. Yeah. Have I ever told you that people, and I guess we can get somebody to corroborate this since we are live. I've been told since the age of like 13 that I look like David Schwimmer. So, no big deal. Yeah. If you had your hair like a little longer with some gel in it, I could totally, totally see that. I don't know but- if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, I could see it. Yeah, when he was on Entourage, it really like if you want to see a character completely change the way you you feel about them, watch watch David Schwimmer on Entourage. It completely adjusts the way you look at Ross Geller. So it's a whole different sphere of uh, of who he is as an actor. We have a ton to do today. By the way, shout outs uh, Cyrus for uh, understanding my pivot reference. Appreciate that. That was my pivot reference. I brought up the episode. Thank you very yeah, much. I did the weird noise, though. Uh, we got a ton to do today. There are rule changes for the 2021 season uh, that we're going to dive into that RJ, for some reason, is all upset about. I don't really understand why, but we're going to get into those. Sometimes the NFL has to be dragged, kicking and screaming to smart decisions. And the Oscars are this Sunday. I know you're very excited about that, RJ. So we have some NFL Oscars that we are going to give out in the second half of the episode. Let's get to the rule changes, though, because there's a bunch of things. Do you want to start with the lighter stuff that you're upset about or the more serious rule changes? It only makes sense to start with the worst. Um, You know, give me the bad news first type thing. This is so stupid. Honestly, it's so dumb. Um, And I cannot believe how, like, old man screams at cloud I am about this. But but I hate that the and, and like does this like dramatically impact my nfl viewing experience no so i'm not like supremely serious about this but except i am because like why why is this like i forever hate the kansas city chiefs now like pete sweeney does a great job of kind of making that happen on his own uh on monday <laughs> football monday but i mean i hate them for being responsible for this look stats i know you and everybody thinks it's cool that like arbitrary wide receiver X is going to wear number one. And yes, it will look cool in very particular instances. But you know when this is going to look stupid is when like random linebacker X is wearing number 16. Or what's going to look awful is when, you know, whatever wide receiver is wearing number three and so is whatever defensive back that's covering him. And you're going to have the same people that are going up against one another wearing the same number. That's going to look so dumb. I hate it. No How linebacker is ever – no no linebacker – it's it's already difficult to get wide receivers to wear numbers in the 80s, right? It is going to be impossible 
to get linebackers to wear numbers in the 50s now. Say goodbye to linebackers in 50s forever. And and, and with that, defensive backs in the 40s. Those are gone. Nobody's ever going to take those ever again. So what? Like, what is bad about that? That's what I don't understand. Like, I love it, man. Let the people wear whatever jersey numbers they want to wear. And I like that the league is expanding it. It's a rare, fun thing the league is doing. Now, they're not doing it for fun reasons. They're doing it because there was issues with guys getting called up from the practice squad last year and teams with a lot of retired numbers. That's the dumbest part. Like, why does a practice squad guy need a number? Like, actually, I I have another hill about this. Like, for a long time, the Cowboys had Jameel Showers, uh, UTEP and AM quarterback, who they flipped to safety, um, which should tell you what his ceiling was as an NFL player. Um, but they had him on their practice squad when he flipped from quarterback to safety. So he wore number seven as a quarterback, which is an awesome number, right? And then he wore number 28 as a safety. So he arguably wore like the best numbers at each of his <laughs> position and was on the practice squad. And it was so annoying that when other people would join the team, that the number was unavailable to them, like these awesome numbers. So like to that point, just abolish practice squad players having to take up numbers like it's so or let them double up like there's no need for practice squad players. All due respect to them to have their own unique numbers. I can't believe you're as fired up about this as you are. There have been a bunch of players that have said that they're going to change their jersey number. Here's the kind of the catch with that, though, RJ. If you want to change your number this year and you're a player, there's a rule that you have to buy up the unsold jerseys with your old number on them before they'll change your number, which is not a big deal if you're, you know, Joe Schmo on the practice squad or whatever. But if you're, for example, Tom Brady or, you know, I guess Brady wouldn't apply because they're still zero to 19. Like Derek Henry is a really good example. Right. If you're Derek Henry, if you're Debo Samuel, I know he's tweeted about possibly changing his numbers. Let's make it the the second name we have to come to is a 49er. Of course. Yeah. It took all my strength (laughs) not to make it the first one, by the way. But so you have to buy up all the unsold jerseys with your number on it. If you want to change it, that's a lot of money, man, especially for Derek Henry, like a star like him. Like that is not a small amount of money. That's the other reason why this is stupid because, okay, so like, I don't know how many draft picks the Titans had off the top of my head, but it's, you know, a a handful of of amount, you know, at at the very least. And then they're going to sign all their undrafted free agents. And then they're going to have, you know, their practice squad players, whoever they bring or sign or whatever after roster cuts and all this stuff. And so like, it is certainly conceivable that Derrick Henry will say, you know what, like that's, that's silly. Like, yeah, I want number two that I wore at Alabama when I won my Heisman, but like, right. I'm not going to waste all this money right now. I'll just switch next year. But it, like, again, under these parameters, any like low level undrafted free agent or seventh round pick, or whatever, could take number two. And so fast forward to next year. Now Derrick Henry has a problem getting number two. That's so dumb. Like, this, like at the very least, get rid of this rule. This is stupid. I mean, like, there's no logic whatsoever involved here. And it just is incredibly bothersome i am going like i liked that you know if you would draft a wide receiver right like you're, you're like last year the dallas Cowboys drafted cd lamb and there was this like well what numbers he's gonna wear you know this number's available that number's available like there's only this handful of numbers available that was that was cool like that was part of the the puzzle to unlock so to speak um that was a whole different uh, example because he wanted to wear number 10 and jerry jones made him wear number 88 and so like there's a whole lot of drama associated with that um but i i liked that and i liked that 
it, it was different from college football. The NFL is different. College football is awesome. But like this was something that made it different. It was something that you had to thread a fine line. And I liked that, you know, like safeties that wore number three in college couldn't wear it. So they would wear like 23. So they were, or, you know, whatever. Like I liked that they would find alternative ways to represent their own number. But, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm sorry that all of you disagree. It's okay. I really wanted to see Reggie Bush. If you remember when Reggie Bush came into the league, he wanted to wear number five, which is what he wore at USC. And by the way, for your jersey take, I've now made you small on the live mm. stream. So I'm the big head that everyone sees. You're the tiny one because I didn't like your take. But Reggie wanted to wear number five, and he petitioned the league, and the league said no. Well, guess what? Now, if you're a running back coming in the league, go for it, man. I mean, you might have to pay a little money to switch jersey numbers with somebody else in the team if they have your number, but – Go for it. Like, do it. Let's have some fun. I don't know why you're against fun, RJ, but I'm never going to let you live it down because I think once it starts, you actually are going to like it, even if you never, ever admit it. Like I said, it's going to at least look incredibly dumb this year because so many NFL veterans are wisely not going to pay this ridiculous fee um, to ultimately get the numbers they want. So like this year, you're just going to have like these small handfuls of what is going to be rookies wearing the single digit and it's not even the single digits that bother me like i said i it it bothers me more that like a corner could wear number 13 you know like again you're thinking of only the coolest part of it but like some linebacker is going to end up wearing number 22 like or number like that those are still cool numbers like some linebacker is going to wear like 36 you know what i mean like it's it they're going to end up wearing these ugly numbers that are going to be stupid Get out of here. If the Cowboys ended up with Kyle Pitts and he wore number two as a tight end, you would love it. You'd be buying that jersey so fast, RJ. Come on. Here's the thing. I actually tweeted about this uh, on on Wednesday when this news came out. I respect the hell out of Kyle Pitts because in college, he wore number 84, a classic tight end number. That is good. Kyle Pitts is the type of baller that will get drafted by whoever it is next Thursday night, walk into the team, you know, uniform complex building, whatever, and say, I don't need none of this new wave stuff. Give me number 84 because I'm a Hall of Fame tie-in. That's what Hall of Fame tie-ins wear. Yeah, that's right. Kyle Pitts knows what's up. I'm going to have so much. I might buy his jersey, whoever he plays for, if he chooses to wear number 84 after next week. Let's get to some of the other rule changes that actually matter. Uh, the first one, I don't understand that they they have voted to allow the replay official to consult with the on-field officials about clear and obvious objective video evidence. So like if a guy's foot is inbounds or out of bounds or a fumble or something like that, they're letting the replay official by rule now go down to the officials and tell them what's up. I don't know why, RJ, they they don't just make the replay official actually part of the crew. The, the problem with the officiating in the NFL is that people don't like the delay in the game. What they need to do is they need to give the officials access to the same thing that we all can see watching from home. And they need to do it at the same time that we have access to those views. That's how you fix the problem. Then the replay official sees the replay when we do. He buzzes down to the guys on the field and says, hey, you screwed up. Hey, this is wrong. And and they correct it in real time without a review. And we all move on. How do they not see this? So I have another harsh take here. Oh, um, here we go. It's not it's not as bad, but 
I don't like mind the delay, if that makes sense. Like it, it isn't, it doesn't bother me because like for, you know, for so many people, like an NFL game, is just like, it's your day, right? Like that's, if, if you're a crazy NFL fan, you're a crazy 49ers fan, you just devote your Sunday to watching the game, right? And then like your whole, you know, it, it, like your whole like plan is, is structured around this. Like we're going to, we're going to do this in the morning. We're going to go get the food. We're going to come back. We're going to put the food on. We're going to like, you know, so-and-so is going to come over in normal times, whatever, blah, blah. And so like, it's part of the like dance, you know what I mean? Like th- th- that's happening. It's like, okay, uh, I got to run to the restroom. This is my window. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the dog needs to go out. This is my window. Like, and you know the way it works. So I don't mind the delay. But what I do mind is the lack of logic. Like, that's what I hate more than anything. It's it's actually like utterly, it's not even utterly insane. It's just downright stupid that, <laughs> that like this doesn't exist. You know, like this is a multi, multi, multi billion dollar corporation entity. And yep. and this hap- this happens in like the most like caveman way possible, which is so stupid. Like I, I consider myself now old school for preferring the old way that they handed out numbers. This is literally like, yeah, like this is almost like a referee saying, you know what? I don't need glasses. I know that what my optometrist <laughs> recommends, but like in the old days, the refs in the 50s at the ice bowl and stuff at the 60s, they weren't wearing glasses. So I'm not going to wear glasses. It's it's actually did you see the Portland State coach, uh, his rant yesterday? I did um, not. The, the uh, I don't know his name, so forgive me, but the Portland State coach, I guess, like in his under- introductory press conference, was talking about like how tough he is, and oh, he said no. he, he said he doesn't eat breakfast uh, before he leaves his home to go to work because he wants to show up to the day hungry, and he said he doesn't have um, have air condition or, or heating <laughs> in his car because in in like really cold or really hot days or environments. He wants to practice the mental toughness of like getting through that. Uh, it was some intense coach speak. Uh, shout out to Philadelphia Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, who kind of operates the same way. Uh, but this is like that. You know what I mean? Like just you have the technology. You know, it's it's uh, it's I mean, I don't know. It's 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 wild. It's stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. Say it like it's dumb. They have to get over this idea that somehow the replay official and the dudes on the field and the women on the field are on opposite sides. They're not. They're all supposed to be pulling in the same direction. Like, you, it's hard. It's hard to officiate these games. The players are big, strong, fast. They're giant people. Half the time, I think the officials are just trying to make sure they don't get crushed by these people flying around. It's hard to get all the calls right. Plus, there's about 80,000 rules in football. They, They need to start viewing the replay official as the help that they need because nobody cares that whether the replay official makes the right call or the people on the field make the right call, what we want is the right call to be made and we want it to be made quickly. Like this is not a difficult solution. And yet the NFL just doesn't seem to get it. They, they keep resisting this and it's clearly where we're going. I do think it's amazing. Obviously the two most like popular sporting entities in the world are the NFL and pick whatever European soccer league you want, although not the Super League. Um, and, and like, they struggle with VAR. You know what I mean? Which is this, like, common sense thing as well. It's, it's like, it's human beings, you know, asserting too much power or, you know what I mean? Like, or, or, or becoming too self-aware. And it's like, I, I hated this at the time because it had to do with the Des Bryant catch, and that was a really painful topic to talk about uh-huh. forever. But, like, 
so many people said this and I, I think it holds true and it's, it's such a great point like the rule of thumb is like what would your average bar react to like what would what would the bar scream is the call like that's that's what it is like treat officiating like that like what would a bunch of random people at a bar say um that's how simple it is of a process and then just go with that i agree with you like clearly some in the league see it bill belichick has wanted everything reviewable for years and some some people see it and i just think these owners are very resistant to change. It's very scary for them. Just look at the onside kick rule, RJ. Once again, the Philadelphia Eagles proposed the 4th and 15 alternative to the onside kick rule where you would get one shot from your 25-yard line, 4th and 15. If you convert, you keep the ball. If you don't, it goes to the other team. Great solution to the onside kick. What are the owners doing? Oh, they all clutch their pearls. They all got scared. No, we can't do that. We have to preserve the sanctity of the onside kick. So yeah, what get they the do- hell out of here, preserving sanctity and stuff. You just opened a can of worms with letting people wear whatever number they want. So don't tell me that you care about principles and historical values of anything. Ah. So what they did was they said, okay, the receiving team can have two fewer people in the area where the onside kick is likely to end up. So now instead of having 11 guys there, the most you could have there is nine. Yippee. Great. Like that'll help a little but I still think it's not as good of an alternative as 4th and 15, RJ. Think of the drama, right? Dak and the Cowboys are down, as they that were. That would never happen. They frequently. Never <laughs> and the Cowboys, like, Dak is coming back, right? They're down 21. They score a touchdown. They get the two-point conversion. They score another touchdown. There's two minutes left. They have one timeout, let's say. And then, bam, 4th and 15. You put them on the 25-yard line. You got Dak there, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. CD Lamb, and it's like, all right, guys, one shot. Here it is. Like, that's drama. That's way more exciting than an onside kick. Okay, I don't disagree with you at all. However, I will say that if not for the traditional onside kick, we wouldn't have gotten the watermelon kick, speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, that Greg Zerline pulled off last year against the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, you want to talk about drama. That was maybe the most riveting onside kick I've ever seen in my life. Um, (laughs) But see, like, I don't know that I believe it's NFL owners like clutching pearls and like the sanctity of the game. I believe it's kind of like what I talked about, like not minding the delay. I think they like the time that is baked into it, because if this were the case, it would make more sense to like after after whatever the touchdown is, the two point conversion, when you're going to attempt this to just go right to it, there wouldn't be a TV timeout. You know what I mean? Like there wouldn't be the like the necessary coordination among the special teams staff and coordinator. And so like it would be, uh, okay, let's go right to it. So you're cutting a commercial from every NFL game and that's 256 commercials potentially. So, I mean, I don't know the like dollar figure associated with that, but oh, it's not even 256. Wow. The 17th, how many games are there in an NFL season now? The 17th game has, has broken uh, what is like a common number in my mind. Um, but Just whatever. add 16. Is it 16? Yeah, I don't know. Extra, extra week of games would be 16 more games because there's 32 teams. I suppose. So 272. Is that how many games we have now in the NFL know. season? I'm not going mean, to actually do the math. But there, there's some simple way to do this that we obviously don't know. But uh, but I I I'm, I really believe that's what it is. I believe they they like the rhythm of the of the and the pace of the game in those dramatic moments that you're talking about because they want the moment where the the tv breaks to commercial and everybody's like wondering oh my gosh what's gonna happen on the onside kick is greg zerling gonna pull it off again and then you know 
he does and it's the one time and you celebrate and then it never happens ever again i think you'd still have the drama because you don't know what's going to happen on fourth and 15 plus think of the second guessing right like fourth and 15 you know some coach is going to run like a draw thinking that he could like surprise it like the play call second guessing is going to be fantastic if they ever actually did it that's true um and i mean the argument is there like it's a it's a offensive league it's a passing league i mean do it but and like that would honestly be fascinating like would that would that make you more likely to draft say a kyle pitts versus a jamar chase right like he's theoretically a more valuable asset in in some sort of like just vertical you know game right there Mm -hmm. i mean it's it it changes a lot but uh but they only want to change the stupid stuff they don't want to change the cool stuff it is what it is very true is there any other rule changes that you want to discuss before we move on to our NFL Oscars? Um, no, um, I don't want to revisit how stupid the number change thing is again because I don't want to totally harp on it. Um, but what what is outside of the um, the I, don't, I mean, you can name it after whoever you want to, but the rule that you yourself have defended, by the way, um, involving a touchback if the ball goes out the back of the end zone, um, is there another rule you want to see changed, like a and I thought these are mundane, but like a mundane rule, so to speak. Um, I think that they should let everybody dress. Like you, you have the active roster, and some guys don't dress on game days. Like why? Let everybody dress. The more There's people strategy. you can get in the game, strategy involved in that. I don't care about that. Uh, the more people you can get in the game, I don't like when it's like, oh, this team has had you know two people at this position injured, and now they don't have anybody left. Like forget all that. We got dudes on the team. Let them play. That's fair. Um, on the subject of dress, we've got to get rid of the like his socks weren't high enough, you know, blah blah. blah. <laughs> like there, there are some stupid things going on. Um, but actually, like arguing about this made me realize how much I miss football. It's it's been a while, and there's unfortunately a long while to go before it's back. Yes, there is. But uh, we have the draft next week, so that'll help get us through for a little while. Uh, and then you know, mini camps will be starting and all that stuff. And we'll be here with you, by the way, every single day. So we will have plenty of NFL content for you. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's transition now, RJ, to the NFL Oscars. You're very excited because the Academy Awards are on Sunday. You, You strike me as a big award show guy. Uh, traditionally, yeah, I, um, and I, 
I love epic things. Like that's that's kind of my stance on life. I don't know if you would agree with that based on how well we know each other at this point. Uh, <laughs> but so I love epic things and I love like the pinnacle of things. It's so like award shows or that. That's why like I love the Super Bowl so much. You know, it's it's the creme de la creme. It's the highest achievement that anyone in that particular space can ever achieve, right? Like this, this is that. Like if you're in the business of filmmaking, this is literally the peak of your industry. And so... I think that that's really cool. And so um, I love, obviously, in normal times when, like, you get to watch, like, everybody be at the same place and there's all this, like, you know, suspense and stuff. I'm hardly, like, a film nerd or, like, a film critic or anything like that. So, um, but in my, like, sort of uh, pedestrian perspective, it feels like it's been a, a while since, like, there has been, like, real drama around the Oscars. Like, the last, the last like, Twittery moment I remember was the um, the La La Land fiasco with Moonlight when they read the wrong name uh, for best film. <laughs> um, so, like, I and I like that. Like, I like when there's those moments that, like, everybody around the water cooler is talking about on Monday morning, and the Oscars tends to provide that. Um, but so I'm pumped. But I actually, last weekend, my wife and I watched uh, My Octopus Teacher, which is on Netflix. Um, this is not an ad. We're not paid by them. Stats is not an octopus, uh, but it is a great documentary. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. It is about a, um, I guess, a photographer. You could call him a photographer. You could call him a diver that like befriends an octopus um, and documents this um, in like incredible quality. It is really cool. It's not that long. It's only like you know an hour and ten minutes. There's an hour and ten minutes of my life I'd never be I able promise. to get back. Watch it. It is so cool. Seriously, it's like real life Finding Nemo. Octopus French. I'm sure the octopus really considers this dude a close personal friend. Dude, they probably you're gonna watch it and you're gonna see. You're gonna they probably text frequently, I would imagine. An octopus is an excellent texter. I um that's true. Um, excellent texture. Um, but like if anything, it's worth watching for the quality of the production alone. Like he's filming with like 4K cameras, dude, underwater. It's sick. All right, let's move on to some actual football stuff, please. You have some categories and some awards that we want to hand out here. Let's start with the the one that got you the most fired up yesterday that you sent to me privately in our Slack channel, and you were like, we have to crush this person. So um, I also know my audience, um, and besides the look ahead, um, and our loyal band of listeners. Um, my audience is Rob Stats Guerrera, somebody who some people call Bobby G. Um, certainly somebody who, who goes by Bobby G is a, is a sort of pseudonym of sorts, but whatever. Um, and uh, my buddy, Stats, uh, statistics is what I call you when we're getting serious. Um, statistics hates the New Orleans Saints, like, like despises the New Orleans Saints. Accurate. Um, for the dumbest possible reason, but it is what it is. Um, so Stats really, really hates the New Orleans Saints. And so yesterday, uh, this week on the PJ Tour, uh, they're playing the Zurich Classic, which is in New Orleans. It's a it's a team event. It's a cool thing, but whatever. So it's in New Orleans. Um, so generally, stuff like this, you see the New Orleans people show up. So obviously, Sean Payton's there. Drew Brees is there. Lots of opportunities to speak in front of the media there. So Drew Brees, according to Jeff Duncan, um, who does a great job covering the Saints for the Athletic, uh, Drew Brees said, and I quote stats, uh, that he felt 100% for one game last season, week four versus Detroit. Reading Jeff Duncan's tweet on Twitter at Jeff Duncan with an underscore, the other times he was battling various injuries, foot, shoulder, ribs, abdomen, that limited his effectiveness and reduced the throws he could make. He and Saints were forced to adjust, oh, 
to make it work. Now, let me say this. It is possible, certainly possible, um, that this is true. Um, and I'm not even saying that like I think it's 100% false. However, give me a break, Drew. This is so actually – it's predictable, but it's actually lame. This happens a lot. Um, this particular game, week four against the Lions stats, this was Drew Brees' stat line, 19 of 25 for 246 yards and two touchdowns, still through an interception, even though he was apparently like super awesome. The week before, he threw three touchdowns that gritted it out. Um, but th- <laughs> this is just – unbelievably predictable the like legend being all yeah man i i wasn't healthy this is very ben roethlisberger of drew Brees, yes. which is is actually disappointing uh dude just accept that you were washed and you played a little bit too long and it worked out like your roster was really good and you still got to the playoffs you still won the nfc south but this this is like drew Brees is trying to make himself a martyr 100 percent Drew Brees, that's why you win the best actor in a leading role, because you are clearly full of it. Like, if you're out there, then you're good enough to go. And I don't want to hear your excuses about what you couldn't do and what you... How about this, dude? You were really old. You never had the strongest arm to begin with and had a ton of mileage on it after you had a horrible, horrible injury when you were with the Chargers. And maybe you just had nothing left. Like Julian Edelman just said, right? The wheels fell off finally. Well, that's what happened to Drew Brees. The wheels fell off. And it's okay to say that. The guys had a fantastic career. But this whole narrative now where I'm like, well, I would have been much better, but I was super banged up. Like, I'm not here for that. No, thank you, Drew. Stop trying to rewrite history here. You petered out at the end of your career. There's nothing wrong with that. Tons of people do it. But don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Exactly. Like, and say this is actually completely true, right? And again, it might actually be true. It was a incredibly predictable based on everything you said, like the variables surrounding his career entering the 2020 season. So at the very least, that makes you really selfish, Drew. You know what I mean? <laughs> that like you knew this was a heavy possibility and you like knowingly, willingly, consciously went and inhibited what was otherwise one of the best rosters in the NFL. I mean, it's it's really I'm disappointed in Drew Brees. This is like yeah, sometimes you're disappointed when somebody wins Best Actor because you like didn't like the movie or anything. This is just like this. This is lame. Like the whole process about it is really lame. Hundred percent agree. Drew Brees stock down. Okay, next category: Best Director. What do you have? So, um, this is interesting because I think some people would go with a coach, right? Like, who's the best director? That's how they view like the coaching position. No, no, no. We're going with somebody who is a, a superior to a coach, superior to really all life beings. Um, somebody who <laughs> actually directed and coordinated, not in an NFL sense, but like the structure and the philosophy and the work ethic of a team that pulled off the most incredible feat, which is winning a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Tom Brady, best director. The TB12 production is great. The, Tom Brady is the – and, like, maybe you want to qualify best director in terms of, like, making the most money. If that's the case, Tom Brady is the, like, founder of the Fast and Furious movies because, like, <laughs> he just keeps making them. People keep buying them. It's so unbelievable. Um, and I'm actually stunned. I really am. But, I mean, shout out to Tom Brady. He did it again. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, like, you know, Tom Brady did the thing at the end of a really cool movie – um like my favorite movie ever is back to the future um like how they give you like a it's not just like a tease they like knowingly tell you that like the sequel's coming you know what i mean like that's what they've done <laughs> like they're they're bringing back everybody so the sequel's gonna be here i don't know if it's gonna be good but it is happening congratulations to uh to tom 
Yeah, and the Fast and the Furious analogy is a good one because I also don't understand how it keeps working, but clearly it does. With those movies and with Tom Brady, he basically orchestrated everything there. Like Drew, like Bruce Arians has a ring, and it's like, yeah, okay, but you were just sort of there. Like Brady did everything. He brought over everybody. He's the reason that everybody's sticking around. It was a masterful performance by Tom Brady. Congratulations to you, TV12. Add another trophy to the trophy case. You get the look aheads 2021 NFL Oscar. Um, who like if we if we put those people in a box, like the people who were just like part of the of the ride. I, I, I don't mean to take away from their contributions, but it's, it's Bruce Arians, right? Um, it's Antonio Brown, and oh, yeah, and is Indomitian Sue in that box, or is is he is he a little bit you know a little bit higher on the contribution scale? No, I think he's higher up, to be honest with you, because the pressure that they got on Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl was a major, major factor in the fact that they were able to win. And he was part of that. Okay, that's fair. Um, What about Scotty Miller? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Scotty was awesome. Oh, no. Leonard Fournette goes in the box, though, although he had the great moment in the NFC Championship game um, and he was playoff Lenny and all this stuff. But he's kind of like Leonard Fournette doesn't even consider the Buccaneers after the Jaguars release him if Tom Brady's not there. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why he gets best director. Like, that is the definition of it. He's reeling these dudes in. How about LaShawn McCoy? He was there along for the ride. That's true. Um, Actually, I know I said Fast and Furious, but he is actually kind of like Tom Brady's Judd Apatow. You know what I mean? Like, he's pulling like, you know, here's Jason Segel. Here's Seth Rogen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all these people who you know from all these other movies. And he's like, I'm going to put them in all one big comedy. <laughs> and like, I am. Um, did you ever watch the movie This is the End? Yes. So, like, I remember seeing the preview for that and thinking, like, that's going to be horrible. Like, it's it's just a bunch of actors who we all know from a bunch of different things. And, like, generally movies like that don't work out, like um, like Valentine's Day or New Year's oh. Day, like those types of things. But This is the End was hilarious. And that's what Tom Brady did. Like, it was This is the End, and I saw it, and it was really funny, and he pulled it off. So, well done. I agree. And, by the way, This is the End, great movie. You should go check it out. Uh, next category, RJ, and this was your thought and it was brilliant. Who gets our 2021 NFL Oscar for best costume design? Well, so these awards are obviously, um, in response to the 2020 season, uh, much like this Sunday's, you know, Academy Awards will be about the films that have, have come out over the course of the last year. And so we've evaluated the last year of professional football. Um, I can tell you that when we're having this conversation a year from now, the Cincinnati Bengals will not win because their uniforms are lame and stupid and boring. Um, And really, it's astounding that you could mess up such an awesome color (laughs) scheme, but they did. Um, Anyway, uh, but there was a team who launched a new uniform concept last year um, for the first time, and it was a bit of a, a throwback. No, it was not the Atlanta Falcons. Also a disaster. Also an incredible botch job of a great color scheme. Uh, the same color scheme that we use here on the SB Nation NFL show, by the way. Um, so the Fal- so like if anybody had a great year in the black, red, and white, it was the SB Nation NFL show. But we don't win. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh my gosh! They and that was this. This was like it's so rare that like somebody comes out and you're immediately like, boom! This is a hit. This is awesome. It's like. Vincent Chase and head on, you know what I mean? Immediately we knew that it was going to be great. Um, and so, yeah, like, I don't even know which combination is my favorite. And I will even say this, that when they had the, the Navy getups, the all Navy where the, the inside of the bolts was also so Navy. I, well, I actually thought those sucked at first. Like I actually thought like, oh, well, cause my, my, my argument in my mind was you're getting away from your true logo. And that's a, that's a bold thing. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like if the 49ers, if the, the red shade was different, you know, if, if the shading was like black and the SF or red, it would maybe be cool, but it would be different. And so if you're veering away from your logo, it's bold. And it worked out. They pulled it off. And I think a big, big, you know, congratulations goes to the, the costume design team. But Justin Herbert also really did a great job at elevating. <laughs> I mean, the Chargers are the one NFL team, maybe, that can they've never had a bad jersey. They have never had a bad jersey. Not only have they never had a bad one, they've arguably always had the best one. They're incredible. Those New Jersey's now, all of them, there's like a zillion of them, and they're all fantastic. So something I love about the Navy jerseys is because I didn't love the the previous Navy getups, the like early 2000s getups, but I love that their current Navy like alternative is like an homage to that. Like, I love that. I love that it, it like pays, you know, homage in that sense. Um, I also, I think it's so difficult to pull off numbers on the helmet. Oh my gosh. All the like single digit players are going to have them on their helmets too. Uh, <laughs> but, um, it's difficult to pull that off because you lose the uniformity of your helmet, but they did it. They really did it. Congratulations, Chargers. If I could sneak in like uh, an honorable mention here and maybe, you know what, maybe I go best visual effect. I want to give the LA Rams a little bit of love because oh. I have to say, when I saw a picture of those jerseys, I hated them. But when I saw them on the field, RJ, I don't know what they did, but when they're outside and they're in the sun and they're in the blue, it's awesome. They look really good when they're actually on the field. So I don't know what magic they pulled, what hocus pocus the Rams pulled off, but I'm going to sneak them in as best visual effects. Um, completely disagree. Um, but you're saying the like electric blue ones. Yes. Not the you, stupid bone ones. Those are dumb. Mm, you know, the Rams are the first. I think you would know this. Uh, first team to ever have a logo on their helmet. What are you talking about? Every the, team has a logo on a helmet. No, but they were the first team to ever do that. Did you know? Ah, that? I did not know that. Yeah. Um, they're, uh, I don't think it was their equipment manager, but a man, a man named Fred Gerke was he hand painted the first one in, I think, like 1946. Uh, maybe a little bit out. It might be 1961, actually, at the top of my head. Uh, but either way, the Rams coaching staff loved it. And so he got paid a dollar to do to do each helmet. So a dollar per helmet. And he had to bake them in his home oven um, to like because he would paint it and immediately it would like chip off. So he had to bake them. Um, so a dollar for each helmet in 1961. I did not know that, but I appreciate you sharing it with me. Thank you very much. Let's get to our next category. And this one you have to explain to me because I don't get it at all. Best film editing. So I interpret this category to be um, like the maestro, like not the director, not the actors, obviously, but somebody who's like cutting the film, right? Somebody who's putting the movie together and often the like unsung hero. And I think in NFL capacities, that's the general manager. Like some general managers get a lot of pop, um, but this is the person who's literally splicing the team together and somebody who is literally cutting the film in, in the NFL world. And so I don't think there's uh, you could certainly go Tom Telesco with the the Los Angeles Chargers, and there's a lot to be hyped about. Uh, maybe he wins this award next year. But Brandon Bean, like last year was the year of the Buffalo Bills, and a lot of it was Josh Allen, right? Like he was the guy. Like there, he got so mocked when he traded up for Josh Allen in 2018. Yep. And he believed. And it wasn't just that. Like, you know, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, last week, whatever it was, when when the um, 
the Sloan Conference awarded the like what was the award to DeAndre Hopkins the like Ultra God Award whatever it was called the like <laughs> Alpha Alpha Award whatever um, to the DeAndre Hopkins trade like I thought that was dumb like I thought I mean no disrespect intended like I thought the Stephon Diggs trade was the best move made for a wide receiver certainly the most impactful I know that DeAndre Hopkins helped his team beat the Bills incidentally but I mean that was Brandon Bean and and that was bold like there was there was a, a level of boldness to acquiring him there was not you know peace love and, and holy matrimony between Stefan Diggs and the Minnesota Vikings and so he did that and I mean like he's he's built he's also simultaneously built one of the best defenses in the NFL um and I I just I think that he's done it the right way and so I think he's an unsung hero in that capacity I think he's done a job well done congratulations to Brandon Bean well, you can't say somebody's an unsung hero when you are literally singing their praises by giving them an award. Well, I'm the one singing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm the one doing the singing because the song hasn't been sung before. I think the Bills have one of the best rosters in the entire AFC. To me, they're still my favorite to win the AFC East. I don't care what the Patriots did in free agency. They still have the best quarterback in the AFC East by a mile. I don't even care if the Jets take Zach Wilson or whoever. Josh Allen is tremendous. And kudos to Buffalo because for years there, like the it was where careers went to die. Nobody did well in Buffalo. They get Sean McDermott. Bean is there. Now they have their quarterback and the Bills are set for, I think, you know, I don't want to say a dynasty, obviously, but they are going to be in contention every single year for the next dozen years. So you are an incredibly biased San Francisco 49ers fan. So your answer will change um, in a week in like 10 hours. But um, what non-Patrick Mahomes quarterbacks would you take ahead of Josh Allen if you're building a team today? So you can have any quarterback in the NFL you want. And outside, Patrick Mahomes is the obvious one. So what what other quarterbacks are you taking ahead of, of Josh Allen? Because, again, if the 49ers draft Justin Fields or even if they draft Mac Jones, you're going to make some sort of argument. Look, dude, I mean, Mac Jones came from Alabama. Blah, blah. So um, before we get there, I want your answer now. I probably would say none. If you forced me to pick one, I would say Justin Herbert. But that's really like, you know, if you if I have to do it. I right. think Josh Allen is tremendous. I credit Josh Allen for being the reason that the 49ers are going to draft a mobile quarterback because he murdered the 49ers last year, absolutely destroyed them and had Kyle Shanahan just stunned after the game. And I think that really opened Kyle's eyes to you need a guy that can play outside of the structure of the offense because even though we did everything right defensively, he torched us. And I'm crediting him for that because he was incredible that game. He was incredible all last year. And the future is bright in Buffalo. Well done. Also, uh, they were in the running for best costume design. I know those are older uniforms, but they're just so great. I mean, they they're, are they're, all, they're always solid. So, you know, well done. Uh, last category for us, best screenplay and story. Uh, yeah, this one is maybe my favorite. Um, and since we are streaming this on the Niners Nation Facebook page, maybe um, maybe I am feeding um, feeding the crowd. Yeah, this is like, you know, uh, like play the hits. Like, I got you. Don't worry. Um this is my Josh Allen's making a run at this title, by the way. But this player is currently actively my favorite non-Dallas Cowboy in the NFL. But again, Josh Allen coming for the crown. Um, Russell Wilson. Um, and I don't I don't at all feel that Russell Wilson is, you know, being ridiculous or unfair or wrong or, you know, greedy or whatever for wanting more out of his team in the Seattle Seahawks. However, 
Russell has been on like a campaign. Like this is different. This is definitely different than even the way like Aaron Rodgers is handling. Not supremely different, but it is different because he doesn't have and he's not like Russell's not going on Pat McAfee show every week or, you know, offering to host Jeopardy and things like that. So but he is more stern in wanting out um, and he's more stern in wanting help and like demanding it and good for him. I mean, he has every right to do so. He's contributed a lot to that organization, but he has really, really, really crafted a, a great pro Russell story. And like, not everything is the Seahawks fault here. Like people, you know, love to bag on them, rightly so um, for like a poor offensive line, but Russell, like Russell invites a lot of sacks that he takes like because yes, of his awesome play style. But like, you know, so it's it's not this like he's flawless in this conversation or this argument or this blame, you know, department category. Um, but he has really and his team and his people um, have done a great job of establishing it's the Seahawks fault. It's the Seahawks fault. And I believe that there's a contingent, a very large one of the 12s that come you know, March 2022, when the Seahawks have had a really disappointing season, much to your chagrin, um, that, you know, they're going to say, you know what, get Russell out of here. He deserves better. Like this team isn't helping him. And like he has done a great job of creating that story of writing that screenplay, so to speak, um, so that everyone's going to put so much pressure on the Seahawks to let him loose next year. He has created a situation where no one's going to blame him like right. you were talking about. But he's also not traded yet this year because he hasn't pressed the issue. Like I have continued to say that I thought he was going to get traded this offseason because it seemed earlier in the offseason to me like he was really pressing the issue. Brandon Marshall was talking about how much Russ wanted out. And then he kind of put the brakes on all that. Like he he let off the gas and, and took the pressure off the Seahawks and has kind of shut up a little bit and has been praising some of the moves on Twitter that they have made. He's sort of reversed field. Yeah, he's um, go Hawks guy again. Right, which is odd. So he's not going to be traded this offseason. I was wrong about that. First, but, I've heard you say that. Yes, I look, I admit <laughs> when I'm wrong. I was wrong about this. He took his foot off the gas. If he hadn't, I think he would have been traded this offseason. But so he's sort of set it up now where he gets the best of both worlds because I think this is his last year in Seattle and no one will blame him when he does eventually get moved. I completely agree. It's and it, it that that second part would not be possible without the work that was done this offseason. That's what <laughs> That's I mean, why. like, like truly, I mean, it, it really is, is an impressive job because there's even like, there's Packers fans that feel the same way, right? Like the moment they lost the NFC championship game, yep. like Packers fans are like, well, look at what the bucks did for Brady. They went and got him all these weapons. They went and got, they did everything Tom Brady want. Why can't we do that for Aaron Rodgers? And so like, in some senses, maybe Tom Brady gets best screenplay, but he already won an award and, you know, we don't want to double up. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's a really impressive, I don't want to say like it's fiction that Russell has weaved either. Like there's a lot of truth to it, but there's a lot of exaggerated truth and all of it is very pro Russell truth. And none of it is like anti Russell, which is obviously very purposeful. You know what? I give Russ credit. Like he has been a guy that has manicured his persona from the second he came into the league and it's worked for him. Like no one really has a bad word to say publicly about Russell Wilson. Privately, I've heard some things from the Seahawks organization where that, you know, there was definitely a division between the offense and the defense there. And I think you can see that because after the Super Bowl loss, they kind of shipped a lot of those guys out. Um, but publicly, no one has a bad word to say about him. 
And like you said, the work he's done so far has worked. So that's why Russell gets best screenplay because he is weaving this fiction to get out of Seattle. Think about this, though. Like in the span of like two years, the same person who like self-identified himself as Mr. Unlimited is now like the victim. Think about like that's a, <laughs> like that's a, that's amazing like that that that, that happened. Uh, so again, a job very well done by Russell Wilson. Unlimited, say it right. Well, so you've done the pivot um, voice, you've done the unlimited voice. Is there any other you know voice you want to imitate or you know offer your perspective on today? No, I think I've covered it. I, I've exhausted the toolbox. Mm, well, I'm exhausted because of this jersey number fiasco that we now live in the middle of. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. Um, and I'm very upset about it. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. Again, we remind you, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. You'll get this show. You'll get all the great offerings we have for you, including the NFL Daily Kickoff, which is like your five-minute update in the morning to catch you up on everything you need to know. And again, I want to remind everybody, live draft show it is going to be a ton of fun i know you're going to be watching the draft have us on also we're going to have representatives from hopefully every nfl team community join us to react these are people that cover these teams day in and day out so you're not getting the boring lazy national take that you'll hear on espn and nfl network you're getting people that are actually in it with their nose to the grindstone every single day find out what's up with these picks what's good what's bad and hopefully a lot of interaction from listeners as well rj it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Um, one week from today, super pumped, uh, very excited. Is there any pre-draft tradition that you are going to participate in? Like something you do, maybe it's like a movie you watch or like, you know, a food you eat. Like what's, you have anything that goes on in the Bobby G household? I don't have a specific pre-draft uh, tradition, but any kind of football related thing, I generally go with the three H's, which are Heineken, Hot Wings, Haagen-Dazs. That's my uh, trio. Okay. What's your Haagen-Dazs flavor? I mean, like, what's this is important? I switch it up. Chocolate, coffee, you know, whatever I'm feeling in the moment. Chocolate peanut butter is like the ideal, but I have a feeling available. you're going to mess this up, but what's your hot wing dipping sauce? Blue cheese. There's Holy only crap. one dipping oh sauce. Gosh, what are you talking about? Oh my gosh. No, don't tell me you're a ranch guy. I've, I, I am on the right side of all things. So I know that ranch is the superior condiment. I mean, I just, I'm not even surprised anymore. Like I'm just, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Like we have some, some correcting to do with your lifestyle choices. Um, in this particular case that you, you actually think that blue cheese is, is like edible. Is, is You and is, Derek Henry, I had the same argument with him the week of the Super Bowl. He was all about the ranch and I kept telling him he's wrong, which, you know, I think took a little guts considering he could stiff arm me into the sun. Yeah, I mean, I'm the guy out here who's saying that him switching to number two is silly. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm willing to, you know, set set certain things aside in the name of the greater good, which is ranch over blue cheese. So, you know, come on over to the right side of the argument, Stats. You're, right now, you're part of the Sith. You know what I mean? Like, come oh, over no. to the Jedi. I know? can't even talk to you anymore. That's hideous, <laughs> RJ. Like, I, I don't even know if we'll be able to do the live show together next week after you said that. But anyway, enjoy the uh, live show when we have it. Keep the comments and the ratings and the reviews coming. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week.